Hi everyone, Tiffany here with a super quick note that this podcast was recorded as part of a previous bundle season. That means that the dates that you're about to hear for the bundle, well, they're no longer correct. If you're interested in seeing what the dates are for this year's sale, please visit thebellydancebundle.com. There you'll find all the up-to-date information on our upcoming bundle. While the dates may be wrong and the class mentioned here isn't available through us any longer, many of our guests still have their courses available for purchase individually, so please do feel free to click through to their offerings and take a look. You're going to want to check it out after hearing how brilliant they are. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Tiffany here from Yala Rocks. I'm so excited to chat today with Melissa Gamal about the golden era and about finding your own style. Melissa's course will be coming in 2021, so it's one of the things to look forward to even after you purchase the bundle. I love that our classes are coming out in waves this year. Remember that our sale starts tomorrow, October 21st. We finally made it. The full course lists are up on the website and you can see Melissa's course and many, many more that are part of the bundle at thebellydancebundle.com slash dance. Melissa is such an amazing human to chat with and comes across with an authenticity that really hits home for me. I hope that it comes across in today's interview as well. Let's jump into the golden age. Hello, dancers, and welcome to Yala Rocks, the belly dance podcast that helps you design your personal practice. Today, we're here with Melissa Gamal. Melissa, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast and in this year's bundle. Yay, thank you. So since this is your first time on the podcast, I always like to ask for a little bit of backstory. How did Melissa Gamal get to the part of life where belly dance has taken over completely? <laughs> well, it's kind of a funny story. I often think about how I got to this point. And um, I also imagine my parents sometimes wondering how <laughs> I got to this point, because I doubt it's how they ever imagined, uh, or what they imagined I would be doing in life. But um, <laughs> it, it actually started, I was one of those sort of Shakira era um, belly dance babies who, who got into it because of um, Shakira. And actually, specifically, I remember the, the Latin Grammys, um, I think it was the Latin Grammys where she performed Ojo Sassi and um, did her little belly dance moves. And I, for whatever reason, I, I was always a dancer. So I enjoyed dancing. I had done ballet and some other styles. And um, I was just so infatuated with that performance. I got up like immediately. I basically learned that whole routine just from watching that clip over and over and over again. Um, and then eventually it, it kind of, didn't really prompt me to go to classes right away because I didn't even know I think at that point that there was such a thing as like going and taking these classes um and then in uh, I think it was a year later or two years later maybe in high school where I actually kind of got into this by accident because a friend was going to a belly dance class with another friend who dropped out and she didn't want to go alone so she's like oh Melissa please come with me and I was like all right I'll go with you to this class 
Um, and I went and uh, the rest was history. I just was, I, I don't know, I don't know what it was. I was absolutely obsessed with this music and the, the movement and, you know, being at that age too, where I was like a, you know, young teenager and you're, you're figuring out, you know, what the heck life is and what the heck you are and what is all, what's everything. Um, so I think it was a really nice way to sort of, you know, find myself and feel comfortable and um, gain a little bit more independence and, and um, self-esteem and things like that. So, yeah, so I went, those girls all dropped out. All of my other friends dropped out. I of course they did. It. Yeah, <laughs> I stuck with it and um, just became obsessed and was like, and I'm, I am one of those people who gets really, um, I don't want to say obsessed, but it is, it was kind of a, an obsession where I was taking like, oh, I don't know, like 12 classes a week, like wh- however many classes I could get my hands on. We've all um, yeah. It was like, I worked my part-time jobs to like make the money to take the classes. And I actually did my high school co-op. I don't know if you guys have that in the States, but um, it, it's, you know, where you do your, you kind of work for four months um, to get job experience before you go off to university, but it's all, it's usually unpaid. And it's just to sort of give you an idea of what working life is like. And I actually went to a belly dance studio. It was arabesque where I um, then ended up being in the company for many, many years, but I was this young, I was 18 at the time. I'd been dancing for a few years and um, I went and did reception work for them in order to, and then I bartered it for classes. So I was working all these hours and doing like all this administrative work and things like that. And then I would stay at night and do three hours of classes every night. So that's how I started. Um, And then it hasn't never really stopped since then. I just kept going and kept trying to take more and more classes and learn more and more and all of that. And then here I am today. That's, that's always how it happens, right? Is like everyone I think has this period in their dance journeys where they're just studying nonstop. And like, once you get past it, like not past it, like you stop studying, but just like you start to diversify a little bit more, like maybe you're performing more or studying more or like Mm -hmm. life just like goes nuts and you can't necessarily take that level of classes anymore. But I feel like when you look back, you can always identify that part of your dance journey. You're like, oh, that's the time when I was like intense yeah. on the studying. <laughs> and it helped, you know, being that that age and sort of having obviously much more expendable time and mm-hmm. um, and that kind of thing helped for to, to, to allow me to be able to do it that much. But it was really like intense. <laughs> I don't think I've ever gone back to being that intense, but I've never stopped being a student. Exactly. But, um, That's what I mean. Right. Yeah. Like, I'll have these periods of intensity. Yeah. 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 And then after that, you know, it started to change and, and uh, turn into yeah something else where it's sort of now I'm the teacher and the performer and all of that good stuff. But um, I look back at that time really fondly because I love, there, there are a lot of days where I'm just like, I'm just not going to be professional anymore. I'm just going to go back to being a student. Yeah. I love, oh, I love that feeling so much. It's, it's the best. <laughs> like I also look back on that time in my like my dance journey very fondly. I'm like, oh, remember when I used to take like three or four classes a night? Yeah. Like, that was amazing. <laughs> and now I just feel kind of old. And like, <laughs> you know, you get to a certain point, you're just like, oh, I need, I need 20 coffees to like, do a class. <laughs> right. Uh, my child doesn't need 20 coffees. She just dances around me while I do classes. Oh just, my gosh. She's <laughs> bottle that, bottle that energy. Right. It's just, siphon it in. So your addition to this year's bundle is a workshop called Golden Era Styling Star of the Stage. So we have to ask, 
what first drew you into this golden era styling and inspired you to create this course? So um, it's actually kind of interesting because for a long time at the beginning of my dance journey, I was really fond of these sort of golden era uh, movies and the dancers that came out of that time period. And of course, we all kind of look to them for inspiration. But for a long time, I really couldn't nail down different aspects that I saw in it that were the sort of overall stylization that I could then take away and work on and work with. I had a really hard time um, watching and then kind of trying to absorb it. And I don't know what shifted uh, maybe four or five years ago. Uh, I think it was just, I, I wanted to really sit down and nail it and figure out what I was missing when I was trying to create something that was in that stylization. So I sat down and worked really hard on watching the videos and analyzing the movements. And not just that, I, I also wanted to go back and take a look at like what was happening during that time period, what was happening culturally, what was happening politically, um, what was happening when that whole industry was really booming, uh, not just in Egypt, but then also even you know around the world. Um, all of those important factors that were leading to what we see on the screen uh, in golden era movies and with these golden era dancers. Um, so yeah, I became just sort of interested in, in the last few years of really trying to nail it. And I, I felt before that it had, had always been presented to me, um, really flat in a really flat way where it was just like, here's a move. This is what Samia Gamal does. Here's a move here. This is what Tahia Karaoke does. And it was really just like one move here, one move there. And that was it. And there was no context. And, um, you know, I didn't, I don't think I realized there was a lot more until I started to do a lot more work and until a lot of other dancers in the last, I would say like five to 10 years really started to focus on it and give a lot of that background information. Um, so I, and then as I started to get into it, I just felt really drawn to it because I think it suits my personality, that overall theme. Like I think as a dancer, I don't know what it is, you know, I, I love dancers who can do really modern stuff. I love dancers that have um, power and sharpness in their technique, but it's, it's just not me. And I don't think it's ever going to be me, you know, unless I really push myself, but then I don't think I'm myself if I'm doing that. So mm -hmm. I, I just related to the sort of classic simplicity, uh, even though it was also complex. Um, but just, just, there was something about it in the way that they were dancing and their personalities that resonated with me. Absolutely. I love that you went back and were looking at the context of these films, like what, what was happening in Egypt, what was happening in the culture, in the government, in the film industry, right? Because it's so important to be able to kind of parse what we're seeing mm -hmm. through that lens, because we can you, some people could look at it and be like, this is exactly how people were dancing everywhere during this time. And it's, like, yeah. <laughs> it's not, not really the case, right? It's, there's so many other influences going on and being able to look at it through that lens kind of allows you to see its place in mm -hmm. the culture, right? So that you can then take it and use it respectfully outside of it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I mean, understanding that, um, you know, what we're seeing is, is a very stylized movie representation of the dance at that time. I think more people are aware of that now. But, um, you know, uh, whenever I teach Golden Era or talk about it, I always say, we only have so much 
material to work with to really understand how they were dancing at that time. Um, and a lot of what we have is film. And in these scenes, sometimes they were playing characters. Sometimes they were just being the dancer, but sometimes there was a backstory to their character and that influenced the way that they were dancing, the way that they were interacting with the scene that they were in, the way that they were interacting with the camera. Um, so we kind of, everything has to be taken with a bit of a grain of salt. And thankfully so many people have done super, super extra background research and information on this now. So we have a ton of other information um, that relates to this that we can use to get a better idea uh, about how they danced at the time. But yeah, it's always, uh, for me, when I, when I teach or when I talk about golden era styling, I really do consider it sort of this movie style, you know, that was happening at the time. Of course, they danced similarly to this, I can imagine, when they were in a nightclub or when they were in a wedding or when they were not, you know, on the screen. Um, but I, I definitely keep the sort of character in my mind of, of as if I'm shooting a clip for a movie, because I think part of that whole glamour and drama came out of, you know, that, that they were on screen. So then this new Zoom era must really be doing it for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Zoom just came out with an update that you can, and you can put filters on now. So I did a performance actually last night and I did a little bit of kind of golden era stylizing and I did the black and white filter and I was like I, I just want to live in a black and white filter like can someone just <laughs> can you just put this on me all the time because it really had such an effect so it was cool and I although I don't love zoom because of the lack of um you know seeing people in real life and connecting in real life yeah mm -hmm. zoom has been interesting and performing has been interesting because actually last night at this performance I started really close to the camera um I'm gonna post the performance later so people can see it and you know, in those old clips where they would just be zoomed in like right on the torso and the hips moving first and then yeah. they would pan out. So I was really close. And then of course I don't have a cameraman to pan out for me. So I just backed up and it gave <laughs> that kind of little effect. So it was really fun to play with that. Cause in a, on a stage, I wouldn't get that effect. I wouldn't be able to recreate that kind of thing, but I was able to do that because of zoom and because it's all camera based. So yeah. So it was kind of cool. That's awesome. So you were talking about when you first started looking at kind of golden age dancers that it was presented a little flat right it you didn't have the the nuances of everybody's different kind of stylizations so can you talk a little bit about like how each of these golden era dancers was so different even if they're using right like the same movement language because it's it's really amazing that they they're all doing a lot of the same moves but in such a stylized indiv individualistic way, because, you know, people do that now, obviously, but there's mm -hmm. not like this like time capsule, mm -hmm. right? Like you said, there's only so much golden era film we can work with. So there's almost like this time capsule of like what the most popular dancers of the time were doing that you can compare them across their contemporaries. Whereas now, like, I feel like that gets a little more muddy right? Like who's contemporary to who, what's mm -hmm. it's harder to compare in the same way. So I'd love if you could talk about kind of how they're expressing themselves individually within the style. Yeah. Well, I think um, one of the things that was, you know, relevant then and is still relevant now in either the dance field or in the acting or in the arts field is that you want to make an impact um, and you want to be known for your own unique art, whatever that might be. And the same sort of reasoning and, and the same thing was um, applicable back then where 
you know, if, if, if you're all beautiful, you know, they're all beautiful dancers. Um, what's going to set one apart from the other. So uh, if you were too similar to another dancer at that same time period, you weren't, and, and that dancer was already famous and already loved, you probably weren't going to be as successful or become that kind of household name or live on, you know, forever and ever and ever uh, in the culture because you were just too similar to that other person. So I, sometimes I use this example and it's not to say that um, one of these dancers wasn't pop as popular. Um, but, you know, if you are talking to anyone of the culture and then specifically Egyptians, because this was their, you know, the cinema was coming out of Egypt. Um, there are usually a few names that will pop up right away. If they, if I ever, if I'm just talking to some sort of average person and I say I dance and they say, Oh, do you know, Sammy Gamal? Do you know Tahia Karioka? They'll often mention like Suher Zaki or Fifi Abdu sometimes. Yeah. Um, but those are the names that pop out right now. When I was looking at golden era, there's a dancer I love uh, named Katy, Kitty, Katy, Katie, they call her <laughs> by different names a lot. I personally love the way she dances. But her dancing was really similar and her look was really similar to Samia Gamal. Now, Samia Gamal had already just blown like through the industry and was amazing and everyone loved her um, and she was already known. So if you're coming into that scene and you're kind of like a little bit of a copy of her, you're not going to go as far because she's already Samia. There's only one Samia. No one wants to see a copy of Samia dance. They want to see Samia Gamal dance. Now, Katie was, um, did well in her own right and wasn't just, I don't want to, I don't want people to think she was just a copy. However, I feel like she was too similar to Samia and that's why maybe she's not, she didn't reach the same stardom or doesn't have the same sort of visibility today that Samia Gamal has. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something to keep in mind is what's your sort of own unique individual take on how you're presenting yourself and making sure that it's not just copying um, what someone else has already done because we can look at the dancers from that time period and like you said there's going to be similar stylizations but they all had their own unique personality that they were bringing to it and the ones that really had that unique personality were the ones that stood out and then you know stayed stayed uh, relevant even till today. And sometimes it even is the personality itself that sets them apart, right? If the yeah. like if their dancing is similar, but then one person has a stronger, almost personality that comes through, right? That they put on top of the dance. They could be doing the same exact dance as someone else with all the same exact stylizations, but they're going to look completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, one of the things I started to do also is I tried to find um, old interviews with these dancers where they're talking because we see them dancing a lot, but it, it, I mean, there are some, you know, interviews with them. So we can learn a little bit about their personality and their approach to dance and what they were thinking through these um, interviews. And there's also articles, but I like the, the video interviews because you can really see that personality come out. And um, there's a great one that does have uh, some subtitles, I think with uh, Tahea Karioka and Sammy Gamal. And they're asked sort of the same questions by different interviewers uh, and they give their, their opinions on it. And just watching that, you can see how different they were as people, you mm -hmm. know, in personality type. Um, 
and they were quite different dancers too. And then I, I sort of would look at that and take that and say, well, okay, like Tahea was, um, <laughs> in her interviews, she's very blunt. Um, she does not hide her opinions on things. She, my kind of lady. she was a boss lady. She was really, uh, yeah, she was, she was rough <laughs> with her, with her commentary on other, on dancers and things like that. And, um, and then you watch Sammy Gamal who kind of sits there and smiles and is like, Oh, I don't want to talk bad about anyone. And is so they're very different personality wise. And you also see that in their dancing. And that was something that when I was watching those interviews and then watching their videos, um, I kind of put that connection together of like, they're not, even though they are acting sometimes in these scenes, they're not, not themselves out mm -hmm. there either. Um, and I think one of the questions that they ask at one point in one of those interviews is, you know, it was something to the, to the effect of like, well, are you Samia Gamal um, now, or are you, and they, then they said her real name. And she was like, well, I'm always my real name. Like I'm always that Samia Gamal is like just the name for that, but I'm always me. I, that was the gist that I got from sort of the answer. And I thought that was really nice because I know, um, I don't ever want to go on stage and feel like I'm a character of myself or, or pretending to be something. I want to be me, you know, and then just pump that up or add a little bit of character to that, but still have that authenticity. And I think the authenticity is also what made them so popular is that they weren't um, pretending to be something that they weren't on stage. Mm -hmm. So when you talked earlier about you found the golden era style and it just felt right, right? Like you see other styles and you're like, they look great. They're amazing, but it's just not me. Right. I almost feel like we're circling back here yeah. on exactly <laughs> what you're talking about, right? It's that authenticity and, and almost finding your style through like a, like a res, like it resonating. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is something mm -hmm. I actually don't hear about as often when I talk to people about, you know, what, can students do to find their style? Because this is a question that students have all the time, right? It's like, well, okay, you're telling me to not copy people, to be unique, to be authentic, to be myself, but what does that mean? Like, how do I do that? Right? Yes. Like, students <laughs> always have this like, okay, but how? <laughs> yeah. So, and I um, don't have the perfect answer for that, but I'll tell, I'll give you my sort of how I tried to find my own uh, personality and style um, and then maybe that's going to help some people. We'll see. Um, so I think one of the important things is to sort of sit down and either for yourself, you can try to write out your personality traits. So what you think makes you unique or what you love most about your personality. And then the better way to do this is also to ask friends because we often can't see ourselves, you know, that close. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so even just doing a little survey of your friends or your students or, you know, whatever it is just to get an idea, because sometimes the things that you wouldn't necessarily describe yourself as are, and you'll get back 20 responses of people saying like, oh yeah, you're sort of a goofball <laughs> or something like that, which is what I get all the time. Um, you know, and you might be like, oh yeah, that is something that is part of my personality. And so let me, you know, note that down. Right. And then, so, you know, you're going to get back a couple of different um, main probably answers and then whatever those are, uh, sort of sit with that. And then when you're, um, when you're dancing or when you're putting together something, imagine what each movement, cause we've got this, you know, set of movements that aren't really going to change right in terms of our movement base, but 
if you're doing an, a, an undulation, um, what does that look like if you're doing it as this goofball? You know, what does that look like if you're doing it as um, this really kind person? If someone has uh, said that that's part of your personality or your, um, your traits, uh, what does it look like if you're doing it as uh, the, the drama queen, you know, or, or whatever people have said about you? Um, because those just imagining those different kind of parts of your personality, uh, the strongest parts of your personality will change the way that you do even just that simple movement, that same movement is going to look totally different uh, when you have those kind of visions in mind about your personality traits. So that's one of the things that I, um, I really like to, to do and sort of just sit down and analyze. I think that's where people can start. Um, and then one of the things I've had students do um, that was kind of fun is like take an entrance piece and do the entrance piece, do the same part, that beginning part of an entrance piece and do it as a couple different personalities. Um, you can even do it as a couple different dancers, like do, do this entrance as Fifi, do this entrance as Samia Gamal, do this entrance as Dina, <laughs> you know, give yourself a yes, variety. That's cool. Um, and then do the last one as, as you with whatever that those traits are that you had in mind. And sometimes you'll feel like, oh, well, it was a lot easier for me to do it in, you know, Dina style and whatever that means to you. Maybe that's more dramatic and a little bit more sharp and, um, or was it easier to do it in that other style? And then you can, then you can kind of find the branch of sort of which way, what felt best and then expand on that into your own personality from there. If that, if that makes sense. <laughs> it totally does. Actually, I really love that because everyone, comes to their style and what they like completely differently, I think. And mm -hmm. it's, it's such an individual journey, which is why nobody has an answer, right? That's why students yeah. all over the globe are like, but how? And we're all like, well, <laughs> and so like, that's, I think the best way to help guide people is to just share your experience and ideas that you have. And then, you know, listeners go off and try that. I think that sounds like an amazing exercise to kind of point you in a direction. And then you know, bring it back to what feels right when you're doing it, what feels better. Yeah. And I, and I think really, I mean, for me, I can almost tell right away when someone is not really being authentic on stage. I think a lot of people have that filter. Maybe some don't, but there's nothing I like hate to watch more than a dancer really trying to be something that you can just see they're not mm -hmm. in terms of personality. You know, the dancers you get on stage and they've, been studying with dancers who are telling them to make faces and and you know beat their chest and all these and it's but if it's just not them it's just not them like I've seen dancers do that and it's so authentic that I love it and then I've seen dancers do it who've just been sort of told that that's what emotion looks like mm -hmm. and that's what drama looks like but it's so not them and I think what we're putting out in terms of personality whether it's uh, emotion and drama and or happiness or whatever it is it it still has to come from that authentic place in your personality otherwise it's never going to be believable it's not it's just won't feel right amazing melissa thank you so much for sharing your story and for sharing these tips with people because i think it's really going to help kind of guide guide dancers down this tricky path of figuring out you know what what is authentic for them and what mm -hmm. feels right. I think it's, I think it's going to be great. Can you tell us a tiny little bit about this workshop that you're putting in the bundle before we yeah. close out today? 
Yeah. So, and, and it has to do with all of this stuff that we I talked know, about a little bit. I know, I'm so, so excited. Yeah, me too. And it's actually sort of a new little diversion from the way I've been doing some golden era teaching. But um, basically, we're going to look at the overall stylization of golden era. We're going to look at all the different personalities of the dancers. And what I really want us to get out of it is taking this overall styling um, and adding our personality by doing different techniques and different uh, drills that pull out our own unique styling to it. Um, so I'll give some different approaches, some different foot patterns, some different movements, and then how we can really make that styling our own so that we are our own little golden era star. Amazing. Melissa, can you share where people can find you on the internet if they want to learn more from you about golden era, about Zagat, about <laughs> anything else that you love to teach? Where can they do that on the internet? So the best places to find me, um, are on Instagram, uh, at melissa.gamal, uh, and on Facebook, you can add me as a friend, um, or it's uh, facebook.com slash Melissa Gamal belly dance. That's the page also on my studio page, which is Yamar dance. Uh, if you search at Yamar dance on Instagram or on Facebook, you should be able to pull us up. So all of those places are great. Excellent. And I have one last question for you. Mm -hmm. Where is the strangest place that you have ever danced? <laughs> this is such a hard question. The strangest place. And I've been trying to think of the strangest place I've ever danced. Um, I mean, I've changed in some strange rooms, you know, I think everyone has. That's, those are the <laughs> things that come to mind first. But I can't think of the strangest place I've danced. But the strangest introduction or sort of... Yeah, performance I've had to do would be when I was at, um, I was dancing at a wedding and right before I went on, uh, unfortunately the, the groom's father had passed away, but the groom's father loved uh, belly dancers. And so this was a few years ago. Uh, and so he started to do a speech about his dad right before my performance to introduce me. But by the end of the speech, everyone was crying and so I had to come out with my veils blazing and like, you know, da, 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 like, um, and everyone was crying as I came out <laughs> into my veil entrance. And it was really, it was really awkward because they're all like sad, but now I'm a dancer and I'm, they're supposed to be happy. And so it was this really awkward, um, it was really awkward, but everyone came around, everyone was smiling and having fun at the end, but man, did I feel out of place at that moment. <laughs> so that's probably the, the most awkward situation, but the strangest place I've danced, I still can't think of exactly where that No, we'll take that. Be. That's a, that's a great story. <laughs> and I, I love, cause you picked the music for the wedding, right? Like you picked the appropriate music, but like, how yeah. would you, how were you supposed to know that this is what was going to happen right before you went on exactly like, might have started on a more somber note and then worked your way up exactly with the audience <laughs> if you had known amazing <laughs> melissa thank you so much for your time thank you so much for being here and for being part of the bundle this year i'm i say this about everybody's class but i like i mean it every time i'm so excited <laughs> for people to jump in and to take this class with you because i think it's it's such a great time in dance that we like we have this little time capsule of and we can learn so much from it and extrapolate so much into our practices now 
that I am really excited for people to jump in with you. Yay, me too. I'm really excited. Thank you for um, having me be part of the bundle this year. And I can't wait. I can't wait to kind of meet so many new people um, as part of this and, and, and share dance with them. That's what it's all about, right? Sharing the dance. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you tomorrow. Those are some amazing tips on finding your style. I love it when contributors and podcast guests share their stories and they bring up a method or a way to approach something that helped them get to where they are. We learn so much from listening to the stories of others and picking and choosing what to take with us on our own journeys. There's no way that one person on their own could come up with all of these amazing ways to study and practice. But when we bring together our knowledge, we end up with a base to draw from that provides endless possibilities and inspiration. To me, that's what this podcast and the bundle are. Wells of inspiration that we can draw from when we need to, to experiment, to learn, and to grow in our dance. Over the course of our dance journeys, we spend thousands of dollars on workshops, classes, and just on our dance in general. And when you look at it from purely a value perspective, there's nothing that beats the Belly Dance Bundle. So head over to the site, check out the classes, and we're talking like $5 a class when you break it down by the price tag. And make sure to be prepared to jump on and purchase tomorrow when our sale goes live. I can't believe it's almost here.